Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Big booty, big booty bitches, big booty bitches, big booty bitches. Ma, 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 ma. Milkshake brings up ma. It's mixed mascara, it's freezing bottle, it's Nikki for the throttle, it's uh, uh, swimming in the lottery, winning in the lottery, dipping in the powder book, fuck, shot, getting so good, it's dripping on wood, get around the engine that could go, Batman robbing it, bang, bang, cocking it, Queen Nikki dominant, prominent, it's me, Jesse and Ari, if they test me, they sorry, riders, uh, like a Harley, then pull off in his Ferrari, if he hanging, we banging, phone ringing, he slanging, it ain't karaoke night, forget the mic, cause I'm saying, she says, seashells on the sea floor. Oh my God, is it that time already? I am mortified. I did not know we were recording. That was just some of the brief vocal exercises. I guess we're breaking the fourth wall right now. But that is just some of the vocal exercises I warm up before an episode of The Mind Poppers. It was actually taught to me by this Irish crew called The Ickouts, who also run a very successful podcast. And they do it before every live show and before the recording of every podcast. So excuse me for that, but it really opens up the the girth, I guess, of my throat. So you are hearing this in the fullest capacity possible. Now, before we get into the mind poppers that I have arranged for this week's show, how are you guys doing? That's what, okay, back to me, back to me. Um, I'm doing okay. I've come to the realization, I guess, that I'm going to have to Shave my head. I'm going to have to shave my head because the, well, I guess businesses aren't opening up. I guess at least businesses including like hairdressers and barbers aren't opening up until the end of July. And that ain't going to work for me because what is it now? It's like not even half. Oh, I suppose it is actually just over halfway through May. But we still got June. And then the end of July, I cannot grow this weave out for another two months I already look like Colleen Nolan and it's oh it's just it's just not looking good it's actually more of a hassle I'm having to use more hairspray to keep it in place I'm just not one of those people that like wake up and I've just this, this flawless messy head of hair never was the way I look like I've been dragged backwards through a bush it, it's not cute it's not a look um so I think I'm gonna just have to order a razor online and we're just gonna have to shave the shit out of this and just see what happens because at this point I don't know. And I do have friends that are barbers, but they seem kind of adamant on maintaining the whole social distancing thing and good for them, good for them having morals. Um, So I guess I'm left with really no other choice, which I'm not particularly happy about, but I guess, whatever, I don't really want to think too much about it. I'm scared. But on a more lighter note, 
um, I guess phase one of this whole easing the country off lockdown due to the coronavirus shite is happening. Well, I think it's being implemented the well, 18th of May. So this coming Monday, we're going to be able to meet up outdoors in groups of four, which I'm very, very excited about because that means we can finally have some sort of summer. We can find, which I can see that some of y'all have been doing already. Some of y'all really said, fuck social distancing, according to your Instagram stories. And look, I respect that. I'm not going to narc you out to the police or the government, you know, if you want to break social distancing, that is on you. Um, And I respect your choice to do that. But what I'm looking forward to is finally being able to have my friends in a group before. And what I'm thinking is my garden is big enough. So could I have eight people down and maybe break them into two groups of four. Mm, I think so. I think so. Um, and then maybe like to like mix them. We'll have alternate the groups a little. Do you know like we'll swap them over. Now. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. And I don't need any fucking narcs reporting me for that either. But at least it's just going to be something to hold on to for the summer. So this summer isn't a write off completely. Just sitting in the garden. You know, a group of four, we'll say four, a group of four, not including myself, surely. Surely the groups of four, if you're the host, don't include yourself. You're going to have four people over. Um, but just to have some value to the summer, like sitting around while the sun's baiting down on us, just wandering around the gardens of my property um, and just smoking and drinking and listening to music and just vibing, man, you know? So that is what I am looking forward to hugely. Um, some other housekeeping before we get into the first mind popper is all the kind of like talk about Love Island. Is it going to come back this year? Is it not? The executives or whatever you want to call them at ITV previously like made a statement that we weren't going to be seeing Love Island until 2021. And I was like, fine. I was like, totally okay with that. Given everything that happened in the last uh, season with Caroline Flack and what have you, I was ready for a year off. I think it would have been best if we just waited. Not even just out of respect for Caroline and the, all, all the mess of the last season. But just give us a break, you know. Let us come back wanting more Love Island. Because I tell you one thing. If, you know, because going back to what I was saying about like us meeting up of groups of four and all that. With phase one of like the easing of lockdown restrictions. And like opening up like the beaches and all that. Like you know that's gonna go to shit. That's gonna go to shit straight away. Like watch on like the 19th of May. When Varadkar closes the country back down again. You know because we can't be trusted. Absolutely not. So I don't really see us getting to a point. Where we can even like leave the country this year. In terms of going on a holiday. And now while I suppose while we will be able to like leave the holiday. Or leave the country and go on a holiday. Like is that. Does that mean if I like book like a trip to Spain with the lads that we have to quarantine when we get over there for like two weeks before we can even go on the holiday? Surely not if they're letting people into the country. But my issue is coming back then to Ireland after the holiday, do we have to quarantine for two weeks? Like, is that going to still be the policy by then? Because if it does, of course, it rules out that because no one has that much time to take off work. Um, But why I don't really want to see Love Island this summer and how it relates to that is if I can't go on a holiday I don't need to see a group of 12 pricks down in the Canary Islands having the time of their life sitting by the villa in the pool relaxing themselves I don't want to see that and I sure as hell don't want to be going to Instagram talking about it why I can't move from my fucking bedroom so I really really hope that they don't go ahead with the Love Island this summer. I know they were talking about Junction and the Canary Islands because they are easing up the restrictions sooner than most other places. 
But I really don't want to see it. I'm being honest. I really, really don't want to see it. If I'm not able to go on holidays, then I don't want to see fucking 10 scaffolders and two nail technicians and what have you living their best life in the Canary Islands. I really don't want to see it. It's not only that, but I'm still a little pissed off from... For those of you who don't know, if you people who are just listening to the podcast on Instagram as well, for every Love Island season, I go on and kind of do an after show on Instagram and break down the episode and just take the piss and say some pretty spiteful things. Um, but we all have a good laugh about it. Everyone loves it, whatever. Um, so just for context, I was kind of pissed off the way the last season ended. Not so much about the show, even though it wasn't a, an ex- especially like amazing season. It was actually nothing of the sort. Um, but kind of towards the end of the season after the news broke that Caroline Flack had died or taken her own life I guess we still don't really know any kind of definite answers to that you saw a lot of like these big like influencers like who do the whole Love Island thing which I do not consider myself to be a part of their community I'm talking like these big influencers you know I'm just on talking shit um, and I saw kind of like towards the end after Caroline Flack had had passed, there was radio silence between all these like big influencers. They were really trying to calculate the best move that would obviously paint them in the best light. They didn't want to be like, you know, they didn't want to get cancelled or, you know, take a hit um, if they went down and kept talking on about on Love Island. Um, so they all came on anyway, all of them. And they were like, oh, I just don't think, you know, it's right for me to do this right now, given what's happened. You know, they were all like, oh, my God, they all had just these sudden realizations, you know, that their words, you know, could possibly have just impacted someone's mental health negatively. You know, after Caroline Flax taking her own life, you know, everyone just became so like aware, you know, which was just annoying to me, first of all, because I was like, now I've only done these Love Island recaps for the last, what, two seasons, two seasons so I'm relatively new to it. I'm not all that like invested in it. It's, it's just a bit of crack, a bit of community involvement. Um, and I remember seeing all these people and they were all like, well, you know, whatever if people want to continue doing this. But for me, it's a no, you know, and everyone was like, oh, we respect you so much. We res- You were such a good person. Mother Teresa is rotting in her fucking grave. You were amazing. Um... And like, whatever, whatever. I kept doing it. I was like, look, I started this with people listening. I'm going to finish it with people. And as well, it just kind of annoyed me because when I thought about it, I was like, excuse me. I was like, okay, first of all, Caroline Flack's death wasn't necessarily related to Love Island. I mean, Love Island was her gig. It was her job, but it was her personal life, you know, is where where the trauma and where, where the, the sad ending came from. You know, it stemmed from her personal life and the media's interest in that. You know, Love Island was just the gig. Um, so to hear people then be like, no, I just don't think we can do the whole Love Island thing anymore. We can't come on and talk about it or whatever. It's just not right. And then me in my head, like I, I didn't want to say it at the time, but I'm saying it now. I didn't want to say it at the time because at the time I was like, right, it's not really the, the time after Carolina passed which was very sad and I was a big Caroline fan. Um, It wasn't the time for me to go dragging people or kind of like just talking off. There wasn't the time. But now it was like, for me, it was like, okay, Caroline Flack is what? The fourth person who took her own life in relation to that show? The fourth person, 
you know, who sadly, you know, who was lost too soon, but again, was still the fourth person, you know, in connection with the franchise. But, you know, and then it was like, suddenly these people were like, oh, it's just not right to do that anymore. But the other three people that came before them, nothing, you know? So for me, it was just really annoying seeing all these people coming on talking. And it was just so transparent to me that all these people who had these sudden, like, woke moments, sudden realizations, were really only caring about themselves and their own image and their own money and their own bag. So that really pissed me off. It kind of just gave me a rotten taste, you know? So that's why I was hoping that Love Island maybe wouldn't go ahead this year and let us let us just have the summer off and we'll kick it again next year now in saying that i know the other deaths they were all different while they were all connected to the show they were all different the the other suicides whatever i know that they're all completely individual and circumstantial but it was something that annoyed me okay that's the love island rant over right so on to our first mind popper of the episode the first mind popper of this week's episode is animals weird eating habits i know what you're thinking that's not interesting adam that's not interesting adam talk about eating ass uh no this is very interesting and let me give you some backstory on how i came across this mind popper so i was scrolling on instagram or it could have been twitter i'm not sure i'm a big twitter person um but i'm not sure which one it was it doesn't matter so scrolling scrolling and i came through or came upon this video of a horse. So obviously the phone automatically plays it. I'm watching it. I have nothing better to do. Um, There's a horse like in kind of like a, a nice little kind of by a stable, what have you. And there is like a, a mama chicken and their chicks like walking next to the horse. Like everyone's living like this perfect happy life on Animal Farm. You know, everyone's getting along. It's beautiful. It's serene. Um, and those chicks as well, they're like the cute little chicks. So they're, they're so young that they're still yellow, you know, those fluffy little yellow things. And they're like walking like behind the mama chick. It's beautiful. I was like, oh, I was like, finally, a nice, pleasant video, you know, because I'm sick of seeing like, just like just random titties and moans and like big back, big black, big back cock and stuff just randomly playing on my phone, you know. So it's refreshing to see this nice little video of nature, like, ah, oh, take a second and just enjoy the beauty and the peace and the, I guess, the synchronicity of nature. These, all these animals getting along and bam, bam, the horse puts down its big snout and just puts one of the baby chicks into its mouth and eats it and swallows it whole. Yeah, I was shook when I saw this because... First of all, like horse, when you think of a horse, he's like eating carrots out of your hand or like licking sugar cubes or like eating like fucking, I don't know, grains of corn out of a sack or what have you. Not eating a fucking baby, a baby fucking chick. I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, what the fuck is going on here? Um, and like when you think of horses, it's like you think of like a big, strong beast. But, you know, you you, you kind of as, uh, presume a horse is a herbivore, you know, like I said, um, and like horses, you know, for the most part, they're peaceful animals, but we respect them because they're bigger, they're not, but they're bigger than us, they're tougher than us. And, you know, you be cautious around a horse, but also kind of you look at it as like, oh, that's a, that's one of the good ones. That is a good animal, you know? So I was, I was shocked when I, when I, when I saw this, that the horse just bent down, picked up the little chick in its mouth and fucking swallowed it whole. So I had to 
look into this. Was this like a freak occurrence? Did the horse just have rabies or something? So obviously I went on to Google and I did some researching, which eventually led me to Reddit. Um, I went down through a Reddit subthread, what have you, and someone had left a link that would that would give me more information. So I clicked the link and it brought me to this website called The Horse, which I guess is, is some sort of website for like horse fanatics and for like people who own horses or whatever. But they had an article up on their website where kind of readers had sent in emails and letters about this behaviour seen in their own horses, about horses and I guess this the eating of the chick, which, which shocked me. Um... So I'm going to read out a letter that was sent into this website, The Horse. Uh, I'm sure you, I'm sure you're all subscribed to that. Um, this letter was sent in by Bonnie McClure, as in Troy McClure. Uh, Bonnie McClure, she obviously owns horses. I guess she owns a ranch. She's definitely a yank. Um, but I'll, I'll read out the email just to give some context. I've been around, own, bred, and trained horses for over fifty of my years. I have a feeling she's southern, so that's what we're going to do with this. And only on one occasion have I ever personally witnessed anything close to carnivorous behaviour in a horse. And at the time, I almost doubted myself. I almost doubted my own true papers. One of our Peruvian pestles, a mild-mannered breed, stallion, only shows what we consider anything even close to stallion-like behaviour when he is brought out of the obvious breeding purposes. Yet he shocked me. Beyond belief that day. I saw a peen. <laughs> a peen, I think, is either a female or a male peacock. Not a peen, as in a dick. Um, I saw a peen with several pea chicks sauntering around the stallion's large coral. And as she and the chicks were getting particularly underneath the horse, I was concerned that one might accidentally get stepped on if he moved. But to my relief... They soon seemed to be moving safely out of range, except for one little fuzzy straggler. And as it hurried along to catch up with the peen <laughs> and her other pea chicks... Oh, so I guess it's a, a peen is a female peacock. As it hurried along to catch up with the peen and her other pea chicks, our stallion reached down and grabbed the pea chick in his mouth. I saw this chick's legs and feet sticking out of the stallion's lips, and I was totally horrified. Realizing he would probably be dead or injured beyond saving once he dropped it. However, it never fell from his mouth. He obviously swallowed it. I ran straight into his coral. I'm not sure what the fuck a coral is. I guess it's like a rich person's way of saying a, like a, a stable. I ran straight to his coral. And I found no evidence. He had truly swallowed the chick. I was absolutely shocked and disgusted by his incredible behavior. And it took me a very long time to overlook his foul deed, forgive the pun, and feel the same kindly way about him again. Not since then have I seen him show any odd or aggressive behavior towards peafowl. Wild rabbits, squirrels, or anything else that happens to wander into his coral. Thank you, Bonnie McClure. Now, I know, I realize that accent probably changed up quite some time. Um, but... So it is happening. This wasn't just an isolated video that I saw. Like this horse just didn't happen to have rabies because on old Bonnie McClure's ranch, th this shit was happening as well. And it wasn't just Bonnie McClure who sent in something. I have to stop saying Bonnie McClure. Like people know who the fuck Bonnie McClure is. Okay. 
So other people also sent in um, emails and letters to, to the horse website saying that they've seen their own horses killing and eating ducks, rabbits, hedgehogs, geese and newborn lambs. Which to me is fucking, it's shocking. I was shocked when when I saw this because you, you know there's some animals in nature, like when you see a cat and a dog, you expect them to go and kill. It's in it's in their genetics or what have you, you know. At at some point, you know they are predators, um. So it's you you kind of expect it, but when you think of an animal like a horse, like yes, you're cautious because it is a big, powerful beast. But you you never like really think of a horse like with like it has malicious intentions. You know that's going to gobble up a fucking chick and kill a baby lamb. Like you you just don't think that. So my mind was blown when I came across this. And I mean, like, where does it end? You know, like, could a horse kill a, could it kill a, I mean, it definitely could kill a baby. But will it kill a baby? Will it eat your baby? Um, I mean, I guess it could, potentially. I mean, if it can eat a baby lamb, it can eat a baby. <laughs> um, so just do keep that in mind, I guess, when you're bringing your little shits to the, to the petting zoo and stuff. Like, some of these animals are crazy. Are crazy. Um... I'm just, I'm just a little shocked. But I guess, like, I studied um, Greek mythology in college as well. Weird flex. But yes, I'm a very well-versed person, as you should know by now. Um, But I remember there being, like, a story uh, from uh, Euripides uh, in regards to, like, in ancient Greek mythology about Hercules. Um, And there was something about um, Hercules going and having to, like, steal some, like, um, man-eating horses from some King Diomedes or whatever. Um, but the exact verse in Euripides, if if you must know, if I would dwell back into my acting past, was he moved on a chariot tamed with the bit horses of Diomedes that greedily champed their bloody food at gory mangers with unbridled jaws, devouring with hideous joy the flesh of men. So yes, I mean, even historically, horses have been fucking people up. Um, but it's just shocking to me. You, look, you It's just something in nature that you don't expect. And of course, we're very naive because, you know, we put, you know, we associate human morals and what have you. And we, we like to personify animals, you know. We like to give wild animals our humanistic traits, you know. Of course we do. We love forcing ourselves on these creatures like when, when people who dress up their fucking dogs and shit you know like it's funny once for a halloween costume but people who actually you know dress up their fucking dogs and put shoes on their fucking dogs like the sh- the dog wants fucking shoes you know um but it's obviously not the case we have to forget that like the wild is the motherfucking wild you know it's kind of like i guess the best way i can describe it is like, it's like the first time you see your own dog eating shit, you know? Because I remember out walking my dog, and obviously I had no idea that dogs ate shit. I was out walking my dog one day, Sparky, who is uh, is dead, if you must know. He passed away, I think, over a year ago. Um, He was hit by a Mercedes, which is exactly the way he would have wanted to go out. Well, no, if I'm being absolutely truthful, it was a fucking Skoda that hit him, okay? But he that's not how he would want to be remembered, that he got a belt of a fucking Skoda, okay? That is a peasant's way to die. Um, so when I, when I do tell the story, 
it, it was a Mercedes that took his life. Uh, anyway, back on. Well, I remember walking Sparky when I was younger. And we were just, I don't know, walking through like a field. I think it was like an old kind of construction site kind of a thing. And there wasn't a whole lot going on. So I had to take him on, take him in. I let him off the lead so he could run around. I remember he had gone off somewhere and I couldn't find him. Um, I eventually caught up with him. And I looked down and I was like, what is he eating? What is he eating? And I like pushed the grass away and I was looking down at him. And he was eating and he looked up at me. And our eyes met. And it's like he almost knew he was doing something bad. But didn't, he came maintained eye contact to be like, fuck you. Fuck you. And I looked down and to my horror, shock and dismay, he had his gnashers sunk into what I hope was another dog's pile of shite. He was eating fucking shite. My dog, who, I mean, we gave him lovely food. You know, he was a very well-fed dog. He wasn't starving by any means. And there he was chomping down on another dog's big pile of shit. And I didn't know that dogs did that. I did not know that dogs did that. And I guess the first time you see your own dog eating shit, you're reminded that that dog is a beast. That that dog is an animal. You know, fucked up shit happens in nature, which sometimes we don't want to think about because, like I said... We like to associate, we like to give the animal kingdom human characteristics. It helps us understand them more and what have you. But I mean, this wasn't even my own first encounter with my own animals eating shit. I had a rabbit, Crash the rabbit, he was named after Crash Bandicoot. Um, and he, well, no, he also died. He also died. And I know I don't sound like a very good pet owner, but that wasn't my fault. Crash, I, I loved Crash. He was a beautiful black rabbit, had a beautiful coat. He was, he was very friendly. Um, but he, he, he moved up to my nan's eventually. He was living with my nan. Um, she had a big, massive back garden. And at the time we were living in an estate, we didn't really have any garden with cement, which was no way for a rabbit to live. So he moved up to my grandmother's. He had a big shed and his, his hut was in there. And during the day then, when we were all sitting out in the garden, he would be out running around for us for, for hours, eating the grass, what have you. And the neighbor's dog came in one day and didn't eat him, but bit him and I guess, you know, fucked him up to the point where I think he may have died of like shock or something. He died in my aunt's arms. I wasn't even there to see it. Um, yeah, so the neighbor's dog obviously got through over the fence or what have you and, and killed poor Crash, the rabbit. Um, but now to be fair, to be fair, I have to be very honest when I'm saying this. We also had a dog, Sparky, and not the Sparky that was eating its own shit, but this was older Sparky, Sparky Senior, who was a Cocker Spaniel, um, who was my grandmother's dog. That dog also went into the neighbor's before this happened and killed one of their rabbits. So I guess it was an eye for an eye and very unfortunate and maybe a lesson to to build better fences. Um, but yeah, he did pass. Um, but like I was saying, eating shit. My rabbit crash when he was alive, God rest him. One of his favorite pastimes was eating his own shit. And rabbits do eat their own shit. It's called autocopraphy. That's the when you eat your own shit. Um, and it was actually really cute the way he used to do it because he used to use like his little rabbit paws and he used to like because you know the way rabbit shit rabbit shit is fine it's like little balls like those little chocolate balls the little, you know the cereal and he used to pick up these little tiny little balls of shit in his little paws so cute and just nibble on them like he was like nibbling on a, li- a miniature little apple so he'd eat his own shit um, and it didn't really gross me out because for rabbits 
it's different for dogs. Rabbits like have something with their intestines where they can't really on the first go around absorb all the nutrients from their food, especially if it's like grassy and kind of hard woody kind of vegetation. So rabbits will eat their own shit um, a second time round to fully absorb the nutrients from, from what they were eating. Um, and they like their shit soft, warm and fresh from the anus. Just like mama used to make it. Um, but yeah, that was basically for them getting their own nutrients, whatever. Now, I don't know what the story was with the dogs eating their own shit. I think that is just nasty. Dogs are nasty, aren't they? And like they certainly weren't doing it for nutrients, 100%. But it's not the only weird thing that comes up in in the animal kingdom, I guess, in terms of these crazy eating habits. Because to go even darker and to go even far removed from how we like to humanize these animals um, and we forget how they are wild beasts is the concept of, and the very real truth that, animals eat their own young. A lot of animals eat their own young in the wild. Like, there's been reports from what we see in like zoos and stuff and I guess wildlife habitats or whatever with like mother bears, if they have three cubs, they might eat two of the cubs, you know? They will eat two of their cubs. And I mean, we, we always see like these like amazing wildlife stories about, you know, how like a mama bear, you know, how mother animals will like do anything at all costs to protect their young. But even sometimes they eat their own young, like bears eating their own cubs. I remember as well reading a story, um, about like a mother tamarin. A tamarin is like kind of a mixture between like a small monkey and a squirrel. It's beautiful. You can Google it if you must. But I remember reading a story about a mother tamarin and she had an adult daughter and an infant son. And they were like foraging for like fruit, berries, what have you. Um, the adult daughter was pregnant as well at the time. So it was just the three of them. Um, and all of a sudden, the mother tamarin turns around, bites the head of the the infant son, the infant tamarin, bites the head off her own son, eats its brains, while the adult daughter eats her brother's carcass. Like, that is some fucked up shit. That is some fucked up shit. Out of nowhere, you know, these mothers just turn and eat their own young. Um, And that, it's dark. It is fucking dark thinking about like you know something brings you into this world like your mama and your mama turns around and eats your ass you know like animal kingdom is fucked up it is fucked up um now we can also see like the reverse of this it's also seen in the wild where the young will eat their mothers and we, we you know we've seen like with a lot of um a lot of, what is it, like the black widow spider will like have sex with a male and then eat its head off, you know, work. Um, but going back, we can see, you know, the, the scenario reverse. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. 
Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When the young eat the mother. And um, one of them is like, it's, there's a lot of e- weird eating habits, especially in like the, the arachnid part of the animal kingdom. So crab spider's mother will provide their, their young. So a crab spider will have baby crab spiders. Um, and she will produce like unfertilized eggs to feed the young. So the young are constantly like feeding off these unfertilized eggs just to give them the, the strength, the protein, whatever, to grow up and be big ass crab spiders. But for the crab spiders, it's not enough. You know, as they grow and grow, the unfertilized eggs aren't enough for them. So the young spiders start to eat their own mother. So the crab spiders will eat their own mother, okay? Not only that, but they eat their own mother over the course of several weeks. So the mother will allow it. The mother will willingly give up her own life and go through this absolutely excruciating torturous like never ending like god like seven eight weeks of her own young feasting on her flesh until she dies so that these spiders can go on and live and grow up to be as big and as strong as they possibly can be so i mean like what we do see in the animal kingdom you know the absolute you know i guess that is bizarre to us like these animals committing you know infanticide you know killing their own young Oh, by the way, um, matrophagy is when the uh, babies eat their own mama. Because <laughs> I have an English degree, okay? So I'm trying to, I have many degrees, but I'm trying to trying to educate you all as, as we go through this. Um, but as we see that, like, obviously mothers turning around and eating their, their own young or whatever, which is, you know, bizarre to us and, and cruel. Um, you can also see on the flip side, like some mothers in the animal kingdom will make the ultimate sacrifice and literally let their offspring feed on their fucking body until until they're fucking dead, you know, which is whack. That is some fucking whack shit. And it absolutely blew my mind because I was one of those people that would like to humanize animals and just just to make me feel more connected to them, I guess. But when you really look into it, I mean, they're fucking wild. They're wild for a reason, like. Um, but in saying that, funnily enough, so I am a vegetarian, as you as you may know. I'm a vegetarian, um, and this has given me a lot of delusions with my connection to the natural world, if you will. Um, I've been a vegetarian for about, I want to say... I mean, it's it's certainly over a decade. Um, I'm 25, so I've been a vegetarian since I was 15. Could possibly be closer to 12 years, but what have, what have you. A vegetarian for a decade, we'll say. Why am I a vegetarian? Why have I been a vegetarian for so long? You know, for me, I, I firmly believe that, like, when you have all these animals, you know, packed in slaughterhouses, like, spending their, their whole life in these confined cages with really no quality of life and only living in in pain and torment and i mean that is just the reality of the industry for anyone who, who does eat meat or fish that is just the, the reality in you know the vast majority of cases you know you you are eating um product that really has only ever known pain 
you know, that had every single joy taken from them and is, is only, has ever known pain. That's the only thing it's ever known. And, you know, when these animals, you know, eventually do get brought to slaughterhouses and what have you. Now, I don't want this to sound really preachy. This is just my own personal reason. Um, and I want you to understand. But when these animals get brought to like slaughterhouses or whatever, and, you know, they're like in a big line and they see the animals in front of them, like getting their, their throats slit or electrocuted or boiled alive or what have you. It's like the last thing that animal feels before it dies is just this this chaos, this turmoil, this panic, adrenaline, you know, um, hormones just flying through their body out of sheer fear, soaking into the meat and the muscles. And then that meat then is sold and consumed. So you're like consuming that fear and those hormones and stuff. And you're putting that energy into your body, that, that trauma and that turmoil into your body. And then, like, I, I, I have to believe that that energy has to impact in your own body and your own soul and what have you. I'm, I'm not saying in terms of, like, oh, karma's gonna get you, but, but she is. Um, but I mean more, like, you're taking on that trauma and putting it into your body and, and that, if, if you get me. So that is why I bowed out. But back to the funny part of this. Um, like, me being a vegetarian, like I said, it has given me, like, these false notions of my intimacy I guess with the natural world like I think that because I'm a vegetarian animals will treat me differently in the wild if I ever run into one like I have like these like I don't want to say fantasies but like you know the way everyone acts out like hypothetical hypothetical scenarios in their head like I have this like ongoing hypothetical scenario so then I'm like walking through a forest and it's late at night you know and like um I see like a bear cub like stuck in like a snare and like the mama bear is there um and like I like like prize the snare open and like the, the cub runs back to its mother and then the mother like looks at me and I look back at her and and she bows her head and I bow my head and she leaves and I leave with it with a mutual respect you know I feel like I have this like false intimacy because I'm a fucking vegetarian like I like I am expecting these animals to sense that I'm a vegetarian like obviously realistically if I went anywhere near that cub mama bear would have slashed my fucking face off you know and I have the same kind of like just absolute notions that like if, if I'm in like the Serengeti and I come across a fucking lion like the, the lion will look at me and I look at him and her eyes will meet and I'm like I'm actually a vegetarian, you know. I, I I'm not like other humans, you know. I I I, I don't. I'm 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 anti hunting. I'm anti poaching, and I've like in in my head like the scenario goes with like again me and the lion like lock eyes, and we have this mutual respect. You know, he respects me as a person, and the lion then fucks off and doesn't eat me. I have these absolute delusions, and I, and I know that in reality, the lion's gonna eat me, the bear's gonna rip my face off, the shark's gonna eat my booty hole. Like I know that, but I I like having these these false delusions, and I mean, in saying that, I have not been eaten yet. So, screw you. I'm sorry. Who the hell do I think I am? Who the hell do I think I am? Ranting on like fucking Pocahontas, you know? I mean, I still eat dairy, you know. I'm still part of the problem, but whatever. Whatever. I want to move on, right, to our second... I want to turn up the heat in here because it's been dark. We've talked about, you know, mothers eating their young, young eating their mamas, fucked up horses and everything in between. Dogs eating their own shit. Um, But I want to turn up the heat. I want to get a little sexier, okay? 
the second mind popper for this episode and this is a fun one um and it's probably going to be the last one we do this episode but the second mind popper for this episode is sexual awakening through sex games okay and I feel like this is something that we're all going to be able to relate to because when I say sexual awakening I'm referring to us kind of like prepubescent like early teens like trying to navigate the world of sex um and using like sex games in sexual exploration if you get me so when I say like sex games I'm talking like spin the bottle you know like kids we construct these like simple games which we use as tools for like very early sexual exploration. So to give some context, um, I remember, I I think I was 14, maybe in second year in secondary school. um, And me and two of my friends, Mark and Kyle, we were going to Irish college for three weeks. You know, that was the done thing. We're going to Irish college. Um, This was during the boom, I think. Um, So we were going off to Irish college and... I was still a frigid. <laughs> now, if you don't know what a frigid is, a frigid is just the word that people use to say someone who hadn't shifted someone, someone who hadn't Frenched kissed someone before, someone who, you know, like you hadn't thunk someone, you were a frigid, you know? So, it was the, and it was the early days, it was, you know, like a stick, and I'm like, oh my God, do you hear he's frigid? Oh yeah, he's fuck. he's not, is he? He is, he's fucking frigid. His cousin don't count, he's frigid. Um, and it used to be almost like a taboo, like the like a scarlet age, you know. Um, and Mark and Kyle weren't frigids by the time we were going to Irish college. And they were, I think, like, you know, they were kind of talking about, like, oh, like, do you know, like, they were going to, like, you know, like, hook up with girls and all that. And, like, obviously, we were, like, 14, like, hooking up with girls was, like, shifting a girl and maybe touching some boob, you know. Nowhere near the hoop. Um, you know, we were, I mean, they were barely just had, you know, gone on from being frigids, you know, they had just graduated, but I was still a frigid before Irish college. I was still a frigid. Um, and I was kind of like, oh my God, I was like, but I don't want to go to my first, like, like away, my first time being away from home for three weeks, being a fucking frigid, you know, while, while, while my friends weren't frigids and they were going to be going hooking up with girls and like, what am I going to do? You know, as a fucking frigid, I don't want to have to like get defrigidized. In the in Irish college, you know, I don't want that my first awkward experience to be down in Irish college with people like with people I don't know. So I remember in my nan's park when I was younger, we used to hang out with like some some of the guys and the girls that um that that, that lived in my nan's park. Um, and I remember one day, but we were behind um a, a cost cutters van, a cost cutters delivery van, and we'd come up with this game. It was like a a rock paper scissors game. Where, like, if, like, the girls lost or something, then they had to, like, make out with the guy. Or, I can't remember. There there was some rule to it anyway. I can't remember what determined if you were to make out with someone or not. Um, Which I know it sounds creepy now, but, like, it was all in good fun. We were kids, you know, no one was forced to do anything they didn't want to do or whatever. Um, But so, anyway, you'd you'd do your um, rock, paper, scissors and we were doing it with two girls it was like me another guy and, and the two girls and I had shifted the two girls that night it was the night before we were leaving for Irish college so I had shifted those two girls that night several times I was terrible um and it was like amazing for me it was like the beginning of a sexual awakening well not really but I mean you get what I mean I was like oh my god I'm not a frigid anymore I've, I've been defrigidized you know I've been deflowered um so I was like amazing I was like oh my god I was like I, ha- I have my whole my whole life ahead of me so when I finally got to Irish college 
I was a whore. I was a total whore. I was shifting absolutely everybody and anybody that would be up for the shift. You know, I had a new lease of life. I wasn't a frigid no more. Mama, I'm not a frigid. Um, and I remember there was there was a girl that I was um, shifting down in Irish college. One of many. I was a bit of, <laughs> a, bit of a heartthrob, I guess you could say. Um, one of the girls was called Cara. And we'd been shifting for a while or whatever. And we were both kind of into it. I mean, she was definitely more into it than I was. Um, but we were shifting anyway. I was delighted, you know. We were like shifting everywhere, like on the stage, like down the back of the stables of Irish college. Like we were like a hot young thing. Um, until one night, until one night, she woke up screaming um, in the rooms. Obviously, the boys and the girls' rooms were, were separated. It was like a big old kind of hospital um, that was used, an old hospital that was used as an Irish college. And until one night, like in, in the dead of night while we're all asleep, like this blood curdling scream could be heard coming from somewhere in this old hospital Irish college. And like everyone was like, well, what the fuck is going on? What the fuck is going on like I'm not trying to get my ass slashed in fucking Irish college like I ain't gonna die in Irish college I don't even want to be here um but anyway turns out the next day that the, the girl Cara who, who I'd been shifting um had woke up in the middle of the night to some what now this is what, what she claimed to some old woman like in her room being like Cara Cara like calling her name in the dead of night. So I was like, ah, ain't gonna happen. Ain't gonna be me. If this little white girl is going to get her ass caught up by some spirit, some specter of the night, then she ain't gonna get caught with me. I was like, mutilate her white ass and leave because it's not happening to me. So I kind of broke it off. Um, and when I say broke it off, I got with her best friend, Alison. Yeah, it was bad. And the two of them actually had a falling out afterwards. But again, like, don't judge me for this. You know, I was just at the beginning of a, of a sexual awakening. Um, I had just been defrigitized. And interesting enough, when me and I asked Alison if she wanted wanted a shift and she was like, okay. And, and we were going outside. Um, and she was like, well, I don't know if I should do it. Cara's my best friend. And I was like, oh, baby. She is your best friend. She wants what's best for you. I was being a real dick. I was being a real dick. But in my defense, I was like, right, Kara has 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 lost touch with reality. Like Kara has more issues going on than than us getting it together. And she was like, all right, then, but I have something to tell you. I'm a fridge. And to me, I was delighted because I obviously had, you know, very little experience. I was a terrible kisser. Um and I was now going to defrigitize someone. I was like, you know, talk about paying it forward. You know, you know, you you truly give what you you truly get what you give out in this life. So I, I defrigitized her um, outside, kind of like the lunch hall, just me and her, just the two of us, very romantic. Um, and she was like, I'm kind of scared. I don't really know how to do it. And I was just like, oh look, just put your tongue out and I'll put my tongue out and, and we'll see what happens and we shifted and we kissed or whatever and we went back in and those two girls fell out uh, which I still feel bad for I mean not really I only remembered thinking back now you know we, we all mess up and again we were all at the beginning of our sexual um, our sexual awakening uh, and though I was also with this girl called I think her name was it wasn't Rachel but it was Rachel-esque um 
I think she was from, she wasn't from Croatia, <laughs> but it was Croatia esque. It was along those lines, you know, it was kind of Mediterranean, if you if you will. Um, and we were kind of hitting it together for a while. I mean, we 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 were shifting, you know. Like I said, I was a whore. Um, but let me tell you, me and Rachel were the hottest, the hottest biracial couple in in Kerry at the time. We were the hottest by <laughs> God. Um, but I'll tell you this: I was truly a hit with young girls with no self-confidence truly a hit and keep in mind I had no self-confidence either I was a fat motherfucker when I was 14 years old and we were all just we were all just getting along you know um but whatever that is just some backstory on my sexual awakening I want to talk you through some some sexual games okay that we all participated in when we were younger which when looking back now, it's fucking weird. But what we participated in when we were younger, like I said, using as a, as a tool to navigate our early sexual exploration. I remember when I was younger and me and the lads, you know, we'd always have sleepovers. <laughs> this, isn't, <laughs> this isn't going to be like some <laughs> homoerotic, like gay story. Like this is not what this is. Um... But when we were younger, we'd have sleepovers, like, we'd, we'd all take turns hosting at each other's house, and we'd just stay up, like, watching movies and just, like, taking the piss. And, again, we were, like, very early teens having fun. But someone would always bring up a game, and the game was called Soggy Biscuit. Now, keep in mind, we never played this game. I want to make that very clear before I continue on with the rest of this mind popper. We never played this game. I never participated in Soggy Biscuit. Never have, never will. Um... So the game, someone would always bring up Soggy Biscuit and someone would always be like, oh, would, they, would people in another school play Soggy Biscuit or, or people, you know, like they had friends who played Soggy Biscuit or whatever. I mean, it, would all, it was always brought up when we were going to have a sleepover, like Soggy Biscuit, um, that we're going to play Soggy Biscuit. Um, Soggy Biscuit, it goes by a couple of names. Soggy Biscuit is what we knew it as, but also goes as Jizzy Jisket, Wet Biscuit, Milky Biscuit and Ookie Cookie. <laughs> now you can probably see where this is going. But I guess the whole concept of the game was uh, normally, uh, traditionally, a, a digestive middle, or sorry, a, a digestive biscuit, think of McVitie's, will be put, in, never a rich tea, um, a digestive biscuit will be put in, like, say, the centre of a group of lads. Um, and the, the aim of the game is everyone in the circle will be masturbating like a circle jerk. Um, and the aim of it was to ejaculate, was to come onto the digestive biscuit um and the last person to come onto the biscuit had to eat the biscuit ergo the name soggy biscuit now like i said we never 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 can't say it enough we never played this game but there was always talk like there was always like oh someone who like catch me turn up to every sleepover with like the double like 64 pack of digestives from aldi <laughs> um no but we never played the game we never played the game there was actually because when i was looking into it there was a school and over high in massachusetts I think it was in 2011, but they had something, um, something with the, with the whole soggy biscuit thing, um, and it caused big trouble in the school. It, it was amongst like a basketball team, and you know how crazy the states are with the fraternities and, and all that kind of shit. Um, but there there was a thing anywhere with, with these basketball players. They were playing Oki Cookie, um, and they used an Oreo. Um, they used an Oreo, not a digestive. But I guess that they played um, Soggy Biscuit with this Oreo as part of like a hazing thing, you know, like to, to join the fraternity. So it wasn't exactly like consensual, like 100%. Um, and I guess like some people had to eat their comridden Oreo. Um, 
biscuit and there was a lot of trouble a lot of, a lot of backlash from that but in saying that I mean like come on food like ejaculate on food male and female that is a that is a big fetish and you can google that like there's so many videos out there like so many people get off by like they'll come on food and then get their partner to eat it off like a cum hot dog or a cum burger do you know and then they'll have their partner eat the burger with the cum on it um sorry if you have kids listening while this is playing <laughs> uh, no I'm not they need to know they need to know um but yeah, so it, it, it is a sexual fetish. I guess it probably stems down to some sort of like power play kind of a thing. Um, but it, moving away from Soggy Biscuit, from Okie okay Cookie, um, another game that we used to play. Now it goes by a couple of names. Um, what, what we'd know it as was the Nervous Game. So I thought it was a fun game because it, it seemed good. It seemed consensual, at least in the experience of, of my own group of friends. Excuse me, because like my core group of friends, I'm one of those people who have been friends with the same guys and girls um, since I was like 10 years old, you know, 10 or 11 years old, maybe even younger. So I've been friends with the same core group of people. Like we have a friend group, just like friends um, for the last 15 years, you know, Um, but all comprised of guys and girls. But, but there were, I remember there being this game called like the nervous game. So basically it would start off by like, you know, you guy or girl um, would like start off like you might put your hand on someone's leg and you might start moving your hand up and up and up. To, again, now we were early teens up and up until you like start getting closer to like a an erotic area, if you will. Um, and then when the other per- when the person who you have their hand, you, you have your hand on, they go nerves. Um and then you'd stop you know the aim in the game was to see how far we could go with each other type of a thing I just think it's really interesting the way we used to incorporate like these weird like sexual games as like young kids to to explore our sexualities and stuff you know I remember like one of the girls in my group like she was like okay come on play with me so I was doing the whole hand thing the whole hand thing um and she wasn't saying nerves you know I was like damn let this bitch say nerves so I was going up and up and anyway, and before I knew it, I was like, oh, Lord Jesus, I'm holding a titty. I'm holding a titty. I was like, what more can I do? What more can I do? I was like, bitch, just say nerves. Um, so I stopped and she's like, ha ha, I win. Kind of a thing, you know? So it was funny. It was funny. I remember then them, them doing it to me, like the girls would be doing it to me. They'd be like rubbing like their hands up my leg and then they'd be like getting up like to my junk and they'd be like holding my junk and I'd be like, y'all, I feel nothing. <laughs> But it was weird to me, you know, these like sexual games that we played. Looking back now, it was fucking weird. We were just groping each other. We were just like horny little kids trying to figure out what it was all about. Um, and in the same way, like we, you know, you'd kind of do like the whole truth or dare thing and spin the bottle. And like the Americans, like the Yanks had like this seven minutes in heaven where you'd like go into a room with someone for like seven minutes of like God only knows what, which definitely is not a good idea, which definitely is not a good idea. But I FaceTimed my friend Kate before I recorded this episode because I, I knew I was going to be doing a, a mind pop around like sexual awakening through sex games and I wanted it, wanted it to get onto her because um, like especially it's always good for me to have like when talking about things like sex and stuff it's always good for me to talk about um, 
like I want I want to get an insight into the female perspective you know when I'm talking about this and let me tell you Kate is a freak um so I knew who better to turn to so I FaceTimed her anyway and I was like you know telling her like just like kind of reminiscing about all the, these old games or whatever and we were skidding and all that and she was like do you remember the, the sex band game and I was like the what so basically I, I'm sure some of you remember this and I, I only kind of remembered it when, when Kate had said it to me when, when she jogged my mind but when we were younger I think it was like 2008 and 2009 two seconds I'll get it up because she sent me she sent me something on it it was very fucking interesting but it was weird so people in school basically in 2008 and 2009 would wear these bracelets okay these multicolored bracelets that for all intents and purposes, kind of look like those fucking loom bands, you know, these different colour, those bracelets. So basically, in 2008, 2009, uh, the bracelets represented a sexual act the wearer is willing to perform. So take note, wearing these popular bracelets does not automatically mean that they are engaging in sexual activity. The wearer could find them fun to wear and nothing more. Um, I'm reading this actually from like a, a parent, like, like, watch your kids' website. So basically, people in school, I remember now, um, they used to wear these like different color bands, right? So the aim of the whole thing was if you're wearing these bands, then you were like up for like sexual activity. When we were kids, it was fucking stupid. Um, and each color um, band, each color like loom band type thing represented something else. So the whole aim of it was like if someone would call the snapper, like had un- unsnappered or whatever, one of these bands off your arm then you, the two of you would have to engage in this like sexual activity. And it was guys and girls wearing them as far as I know. Um, now, please get onto me. Please message me over on Instagram, Adam Riley O. Um, if, if this is jogging some memories from some people. Um, but I want to call out um, some of the colours and what they mean. So, yellow. If you're wearing a yellow like loom band back in the day, yellow indicates the wearer is willing to hug. Pink indicates the wearer is willing to give a hickey. Orange indicates the wearer is willing to kiss. Purple indicates the wearer is willing to kiss a partner of either sex. Oh my God, we were so ahead of our time. We were so ahead of our time as kids. Um, Red indicates the wearer is willing to perform a lap dance. Okay, I take it back, I take it back. We were not ahead of our time. We were were children doing this. Um, Green indicates that oral sex can be performed on a girl. Oh my Lord, what was wrong with us? Clear indicates a willingness to do in quotations, whatever the snapper wants. Blue indicates oral sex performed on a guy. Black indicates that the wearer will have regular missionary sex because as if when we were fucking 14 years old, like we weren't even having sex, like never mind missionary sex. No one was hitting it from behind at 14 years old. Um, green indicates oral sex can be performed on a girl. Oh, sorry, we already did that. Um, white indicates the wearer will flash what they have <laughs> flash what they're working with um, now keep in mind when I was that age I had bigger titties than most of those girls glittery yellow indicates hugging and kissing is acceptable glittery pink willing to flash slash slow, show a body part glittering purple wearer is willing to French open mouth kiss glittery blue wearer is willing to perform anal sex oh damn we were nasty kids Glittery blue, anal sex. We were children. Like, no one was having anal sex. Um, glittery green, that indicates that the wearer is willing to 69. 69, oh my lord! We were children. We were children. We were all participating in this. I did not know what half of these meant. I wasn't snapping anyone's bands. 
glittery clear indicates that the wearer will let the snappy do as they please. Okay. Um, that is fucked up. That is fucked up. And I did not remember that until Kate, um, until Kate reminded me. And I asked Kate, I was like, Kate, well, did you have those bands when we were in school? And she's like, no. She was like, some of like the, in quotations, more popular girls, you know, you know the people. Um, who ain't, they ain't that cool now. Uh, trust and believe that. But um, I remember I was asked Kate, I was like, did you wear them? She was like, no, 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 I never wear them. Um, and then she's like, well, I actually, and then she went on to tell me the story, which she still does to this day, Kate. Um, like, may, <laughs> she makes like um, these like Disney figurines out of like those sex bands, out of the loom bands. Like she spent hours upon hours like weaving them together and she makes Disney characters. I remember I was stoned one day and I, I had to hear more about it. So I was on FaceTime to her and she was like showing me like these fucking Olaf like things and like, all the frozen people and Simba and stuff that she had woven together out of these damn loom sex bands. Um, God, I love that girl. And I mean, I guess if you have a problem with any of that, then you can blame Catholic Ireland. I mean, like, because we had such little knowledge or we were very aware of, like, the ta- still the taboo surrounding, like, being open with sex and what have you. That, like, us as kids, you know, had to, like, create these and we didn't invent any of these games okay it's not like i just happened to be part of a very fucked up group of people like we didn't invent these games these games been around for a, a long time before us but the fact that kids kind of engage in these games and these games were obviously invented by kids at one point engage in these games to explore their sexuality and just like their for their sexual awakening and whatnot like that blew my mind that definitely warranted as a mind popper and I think if you're looking back now, like I probably a lot of this, you know, you can probably relate to a lot of this if you're one of those people that did grow up in a, in a, in a close circle of friends like I did. Um, but I'm very interested to know if there is any other like these kind of weird, like sexy kind of, I don't know, coming of age games, excuse the pun, um, that you guys participated in or whatever. Please do hit me up on Instagram and let me know. I would be very interested in hearing about that. I have gone way over in time. I even had a third mind popper prepared for this episode. It was a cool one. It had to do with space. It's kind of, oh, it was mind bendy. It was a bit of a mind fuck. But I think we'll hold it maybe for next week. We'll keep it for the next episode of the Mind Poppers podcast because I ran on too long. I was just having too much fun with the first two mind poppers that, that we just kind of went on uh, as it should be. I have to say, you guys, I think that this episode of the Mind Poppers podcast has been my favourite episode so far. Um, and if you enjoyed this week's episode of the Mind Poppers podcast, then please feel free to leave a review on Apple Music. I will be back with you next week for a whole array of dark, sexy and spooky Mind Poppers. Something to freak your mind, something to make you think. In the meantime, stay woke. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.